0: So traditionally, the Christian Church has responded, done call and response liturgy, and to the to to the statement, "He is risen." What do they respond with? Let's do it. He is risen. He is risen, he is risen. He is risen indeed. I uh, one of the privileges of being a pastor is you get to uh, well, you get to be goofy. That's for sure. And for some reason, your tech sometimes doesn't work either. But I don't know what happened here. If you can throw on that first slide while I reboot this, um, sometimes you get to just. Figure stuff out. And one of the things we decided about this weekend is that we wanted to go with the theme, a wing and a prayer. And mostly that was just because I wanted to serve chicken wings to you guys. we uh, we're We're a church that's built around food. and so Friday night we had our uh, our Good Friday service and we served chicken wings and we had a nice liturgical candlelight service that was just very, very special to me. and we've we've we wanted for years to be able to do one, but we didn't have a facility. And now we have a facility. So we had candelabras and we passed the light and we blew out the light and it went totally dark and left us in the tomb at the end of the service. And it was quite beautiful and it's something we plan on doing every year. And I want to encourage you to keep that on your calendar, the, the Daylight Church Good Friday event. But I found out pretty quick I, I always thought Good Friday or a, a wing and a prayer meant one thing and it actually turns out to mean something different. And I didn't even figure that out until. Like this week or, or last week as I was preparing this sermon, I always thought it was a football phrase. I th- always thought it had to do with hurling of Hail Mary like you see in the NFC playoffs of 2016. So as it turns out, that's not at all what a wing and a prayer means. I always, I always thought it was a Hail Mary. The dude throws a big pass and it's caught and he prays as it goes. And you even hear the announcement saying was thrown up with a prayer. It's not what it means at all. It's, it's, it's an aeronautics term. And it comes from a John Wayne movie in 1942 called Flying Tigers. But that it, so so this this phrase a wing and a prayer has nothing to do with with hurling a hail mary, which I never knew. It had to do. It basically means barely held together. It means I'm 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 barely hanging on. I've only got a prayer. You know the the, the announcer yells, "Don't forget your left wing." Well, sometimes, <laughs> in this case, it's the only wing you got. And you're holding on by a prayer. And so really a wing and a prayer means holding on by prayer. And it's, it's really interesting to me that I think over the last year a lot of us could say that's how we felt, is I'm, I'm barely holding on. We, this time last year we were supposed to be launching Daylight Church here at our facility. This was a flyer that we had ready. And this time last year we had 30,000 of these things planned to go out in the mail. And so... This week, one year ago, 30,000 of these were teed up, ready to hit mailboxes nearby, and we were going to launch on Easter Sunday, and then we, got the, we, we basically got the announcement saying COVID is shutting all this down. And so, so you got the front of it, the back of it, and there you go. So join us for the Easter launch of Daylight Church's new location, 4801 Progress Boulevard, April 12th at 10 a.m., April 12th of 2020. It all went down real, real fast. And you guys know what the last year has looked like, and some of us you know we our, our family experienced terrible tragedy and lost a, a very beloved loved one and some of you have lost loved ones and there's been extended stress and teachers have been just thrown into mass chaos and it's just been it's been a challenging world for a whole lot of people and, and uh, I, I see a lot of your faces here today and it's been a long time since I've seen some of you and I just want to say it's so good to see you it's so good that we're starting to get back and I've had my first vaccination, a lot of you guys have had vaccinations and and the 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 landing strip is kind, kind of feeling like it's in sight now, but we've had this year where we're on a wing and a prayer, where it's been it's been chaos and I, I there's some high school high schoolers in the back that had to skip their proms and when I think about these these wing and a prayer situations, there's lots of situations, things that can go wrong with a plane, and loss of cabin pressure could could be one of them. It just you just you just feel like you've lost your breath. You feel like you can't breathe, and we've, we've heard that in, in, in kind of the racial divide, that phrase, I can't breathe, and there's, it's been kind of this universal thing that a lot of people have felt in, in and outside of race. And Engine loss, you can have mechanical failure. A lot of people have been sick. I was just talking to somebody before this that got, that got COVID in December and didn't get over it until February, and, and we were talking to our friends, friend Jess, Jess Matisse now, formerly Jess Johnston, and she lost her sense of taste how many weeks ago, Jess? A long time ago, and it still hasn 't returned, and so there 's been these mechanical failures i mean I, I just can 't imagine the loss of flavor that there 's something existentially dissatisfying about the loss of food and, and, and so, so there 's been mechanical failures there's been you may have experienced navigational errors, you may have just made really bad mistakes in your life and really really navigated poorly and navigated poorly through this, and maybe in some of your relationships you 've navigated poorly, and now now it feels like you 're on a wing in a prayer and can barely land and, you know, in, in some situations there's attacks, there could be terrorist attacks that would cause this kind of craziness. And uh, if you guys would just push ahead with me, I've, I've got my list up here, so if you guys can advance it, I'd appreciate it. So you may, you may feel like, and, and I think it's easy to say that all of us have felt divided from people we love during this time. And so we felt attacked, or there's been just what we would call an explosion. Uh, you know, it's just—it's just life. Was seemed April 12th of last year. Life just seemed like it was going along just fine, and then all of a sudden, whoa! It's not just fine. You know, the the landing strip is maybe in sight. Maybe it's unplugged. It, it doesn't look like you're going to land. You're crashing and burning. You pull the brakes, and the brakes come out in your hand, and it's just—it's just total chaos. And I have the privilege of writing for a national magazine, and one of the one of the churches that I interviewed recently, they discovered that on a typical year, one in seven people deal with what they would call clinical mental health issues, so depression and anxiety. But this year, they've said it's been one in two. That's been the number for 2020. And so if it's not you, it's the person next to you. And so it's been this, this chaotic wing-in-a-prayer situation where we find ourselves with nothing, nothing to fly on. I mean, the tank is empty. Some of, some of you, even this morning, Probably feel pretty afraid to come into a crowd, and some of some of you don't, and then you don't understand the people who feel afraid and so there's this division that's going on and but i want to I want to start today by saying cakewalks are nice, but cake kills so we're used to life being a cakewalk you know normal life is not a cakewalk, but comparatively holy smokes it's been life has been a lot easier without a pandemic and without the extreme racial tension and polarization that we're experiencing and and the the isolation that we have felt, and and the stress, the financial stress, and the lack of flavor, and what, whatever else it is, it's you know smooth, smooth sailing is what it is. But I want to I want to say today that a wing and a prayer, being being at that place where you you feel like you're crashing and burning, and, and you've only got prayer left, is not such a terrible place to be. It's actually can be a pretty healthy place to be. A cakewalk can kill you. You can you can feel like everything is okay when everything's not okay, and this this time frame in our lives has been a, a good time to kind of refocus and see, see what you know, life could look like. And What we find in Scripture is that moments of weakness, moments of frailty, moments of cabin pressure is gone and we, we're not breathing well, moments of mechanical failure, that those, those happen to be the moments where God steps in. I had, I had one slide that I've ditched where Superman only shows up when the plane is smoking. And there's, there's a scene from the movie Superman Returns that the, the whole scene is like the climax of the whole movie almost is him rescuing a plane that the engines are going out on. And Superman flies past, past, past planes all the time, but it's the ones that are smoking to get his attention. And we in, in the resurrection of Jesus and in the Easter Sunday, we see this Superman show up. We see Superman arrive in our smoking plane that's, that's having a hard time landing and saying, I've got answers. And you, you find out in Scripture that, that all throughout it, Weakness is actually power. In, in 2 Corinthians 12, it says, Power is perfected in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, I will rather boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. And second, Continued in 2 Corinthians 12, it says, Therefore I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in distresses, in persecutions, in difficulties. in behalf of Christ, for when I am weak, then I am strong. When you're on a wing in a prayer, when you feel like life is collapsing out from under you and you feel like, Maybe you can't go on or you don't understand why life is like it is. I want to point out what this says. It says that the power of Christ may dwell in me. See, a cakewalk will leave you leaning on your own strength. A cakewalk will leave you feeling like everything is okay because you're okay. Because everything, because of what you've done. And somehow this, this cake being pulled out from our hands starts to help us lean on something else. And, and the resurrection of Jesus is, is what I believe we're supposed to lean on. That it's in weakness that we experience God's power. And so so my main point today is that this ain't so bad. It looks terrible, doesn't it? I mean, this is one wing. Don't forget the left wing of your plane. It's, it's coming in, it's crashing and burning. It's literally burning and, and the house is burning down and relationships are souring and finances are shriveling up and your health may not be what you want it to be and you may have worries and concerns and stress that you wouldn't have had a year ago and even then worries and concerns and stress, you know, one in seven out of people had tremendous anxiety and crippling depression. And so now it's, it's, just, it's just a different world. And I don't know my next point because my thing has blown up on me once again. Can you advance that slide, please? So what we find in Scripture is that those are the times when we lean on God. That, that, that being in those places is actually a really healthy place to be. And that's where we experience the power of God. It says, Fear not, for I am with you in Isaiah 41. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you, I will help you, I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. There's several other passages. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. That's where your strength comes from. Not from from circumstance, not from personal power or personal ability, but from, from God. It says they will mount up with wings like eagles. If you want to fly, that's how you fly. Go ahead. Be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might, it says. Next. May I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. I'm going to ditch this thing because it's not working, and I'm going to point when I want you to advance the slide, and nobody will ever notice that, that I don't actually have a clicker in my hand. So go ahead and go ahead and kick that up. So what we, what we find in the resurrection of Jesus is that it's in death that life comes. It wasn't in life that life came. It was in death that life came. And so this moment in history, this moment in our lives where we feel stressed out and chaotic and one in two of us feel like we need clinical help, it's actually a very, very good place to be. It's, it's a springboard for life to come. And in the resurrection, we see that a corpse becomes alive. A plane that's on a wing in a prayer can soar the skies. And you see it all throughout Scripture. It says, Jesus will swallow up death and victory. And I want to I make note here that what we're going to see in these coming passages is that when we think of the Resurrection Sunday, we, we think of Jesus coming out of the grave and that the whole thing is about Jesus. And, 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 and what you discover as you study Scripture is that it's, it's not about Jesus. It's about Jesus and you. It's about Jesus in you. I am the resurrection and the life, and, and this is you. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. Next. In Christ shall all be made alive. You'll see, you'll see this. It says, it says, in death was life, and that life is yours now. So it's not just about him coming out of the tomb. There's more to it than that. Just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. God raised the Lord and will also raise us up by his power. If Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are all still in your sins. And so this is, this is a pattern you see in Scripture that this, this resurrection has to do with you being on a wing in a prayer, that you being dead, you crashing and burning and having a way out of that, state, that status, having a way out of that situation. So, hashtag ain't scared. The resurrection of Jesus tells us a bunch of stuff that we don't have to be scared of. This isn't to diminish the need for clinical help to to say that you shouldn't be on medication if you need medication, that that you shouldn't sit down and listen to good music to kinda calm your nerves. There's there's all kinds of things that God has built into the system to help us. But in some sense the resurrection provides us the grounding that we need to not be scared of all the stuff that we're scared of like Unworthiness, worthlessness. So many of us fight this battle of trying to determine whether we have worth or not. And one of the things I talked about last week, and I encourage you to go listen to that sermon, it was pretty phenomenal, if I do say so myself. But we talked about how you are Imago Dei, you're created in the image of God. In the beginning, it says, God made us in man's, let us make man in our image after our likeness. God said that. And so, so what we discovered last week as we went on is several keys is that you are an art-perpetuating, art-getting, art-defining art. You're a beauty-perpetuating, beauty-getting, beauty-defining beauty. And you are a joy-perpetuating, joy-getting, joy-defining joy. That's what you are. There's nothing you can do about it. There's nothing you, can, you can't make yourself more of an art-bearing work of art. You can't make yourself less. You can't make yourself more of a joy or less of a joy. You are a joy. And if, if you want to hear the logic behind that, listen to last week's sermon. But I read this week this quote from Saint Augustine: "In loving me, you made me lovable." It's pretty powerful because we talked last week about transactional theology and how how the the work on the cross was a was a, a work of purchasing. That's that's the language Scripture uses a lot: is that you were purchased by God on the cross. And we we also des- described how the the value in an object is is. Determined by what someone will pay for it, if we t- I talked about Paul's guitar. If, if Ryan will only give me 400 bucks for his guitar, and Alona will only give me 400 bucks for his guitar, no matter how much I want to say it's worth 500 bucks, it ain't worth 500 bucks, because the, the va- it may be worth 500 to me, but as far as what, what it could be transactionally sold for is only 400. And so it's the purchaser that determines the price. And we talked about how at the cross, Jesus paid a great, great price for you. And in loving you, he made you lovable. In ascribing that worth to you, he made you worthy. And there's nothing you can do to be unworthy. He has created it in you. It is innate, inherent in you to be worthy. Now, can he improve you? Yes. He, we, we talked about how we're both broken and beloved. And he turns the broken into beautiful. Beautiful. The Song of Solomon, the Song of Songs, it's also known as, is kind of a sexy chat book of the Bible. There's, there's some parts when you're reading it to your kids, you're like, whoa, man, I, I don't know about all this. but At one point, it describes it like this, and this is talking about God's relationship with us. It says, he brought me to his banqueting table, and his banner over me was love. I'm going to point again. There we go. The prophet Ezekiel... In the Old Testament in Ezekiel 37 talks about the valley of dry bones. And good Pentecostal preachers can, man, they can nail this passage. and I mean, they can just get on it. And I'm, I'm just not that guy, but I can talk about it. And it's pretty fun. But Ezekiel talks about, he set me in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones. And it continues. I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley, bones that were very dry. This is what the Sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will make breath enter you, and you will come to life. I will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin. I will put breath in you, and you will come to life. And this message of the gospel is that it doesn't matter how, how wingless you might feel right now. It doesn't matter how much anxiety you have. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter what you haven't done. You can be dead, 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 dead and be brought back to life. This is, this is like the Valley of Dry Bones where it's brittle and frail and that may be where you've been at some point in your life or you may even today feel that in some sense that I, I couldn't come to life, there's, there's no way this thing, this thing, you just gestured towards all of me. Well, yes I did. This whole thing, like you may feel like there's no way it could come to life, it can. That's the gospel of Jesus, that's the, that's the message of the resurrection. You don't have to be afraid of abandonment. What we find in, the, this, is, this is pretty neat. In the resurrection of Jesus, we find a God who will always be alive. This is a God who's never going to go. So the one who ascribed worth to you, the one who bought you, the one who created you, the one who loves you and paid a great price for you, is going nowhere. I saw this quote from Brennan Manning, and it really kind of fed my soul this week. It says, the drumbeats of doom in your head. It, sh- it should say your head, not you head. We'll be repl- Brennan said it much better than I, <laughs> will be replaced by a song in your heart. You will not be dependent on the company of others to ease your loneliness, for He is Emmanuel, God with us. The praise of others will not send your spirit soaring, nor will their criticism plunge you into the pit. You will live with an awareness that the Father not only loves you, but likes you. You will know that you are being seen by Jesus the gaze of infinite tenderness. Your relational needs, your your concerns about abandonment, your your concerns of people-pleasing and and so forth are all just killed. That stuff is dead. That that stuff was crucified. It, It no longer exists because Emmanuel, God with us, this is the resurrection. You can kill that stuff forever. You can let God... Destroy that stuff forever and not be afraid of abandonment. You don't have to be afraid of stepping forward. I saw this quote this week that, I that again, I, I read this stuff and it just gets me at a, a deep level where it talks about how, go ahead, we step, fo- we step towards God and away from God all the time. It's so often that we, ha- we have this love-hate relationship with God. We have this relationship where we think He loves us because we're told He loves us, but we think He hates us because we're so bad we think He loves us because the Bible tells us so, as the old song says, but we think He wants to keep us at a distance or, or, or that we can only approach when we correct this, that, or the other behavior in our lives or, or whatever the thing is that holds us back from stepping forward towards God. That stuff can die. That stuff can die forever. In Hebrews, it tells us this. It says, We approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may re- receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. See this? This great price that Christ paid for you speaks loads about what he thinks about you. And when you come to this conclusion, like Brendan Manning did, that he not only loves you, but he likes you, now you don't have to be afraid to walk that aisle. Now you don't have to be afraid to open the Bible. Now you don't have to be afraid to get on your knees and pray and think, I'm not worthy, I'm not worthy, because you have been made worthy in Christ. The resurrection teaches us about our lack of abandonment. It teaches us about our lack of fear as far as approaching God. Ultimately, and this is pretty dang good news, you don't have to be scared of dying. And I mean that figuratively and literally. You don't have to be afraid. I've, I've read a lot on death anxiety. In fact, we did a multi-part series on death anxiety here at Daylight Church, and we've discovered, like, like this author Erica Hayasaki says, that, that the fear of death and, and death anxiety really grips and rules our lives. And countless ways that we don't know about. She says it like this. She says, fear of death makes us want to engage in activities that render us unique, allowing us to reach a level of putative immortality. If you're not familiar with putative, it means kind of acclaimed or proclaimed immortality. In other words, people recognize that we're living beyond our years. And we have this desire to, to leave a mark where, where once we're gone, we're not actually gone. And, and, and so much of our life is, is striving for that. She continues and says this. She says, Death anxiety is the powerful undercurrent stirring human behavior. And that may not register with you, but I encourage you to go back and watch that series as well because it, it really is true that so much of our fears, so much of our anxieties, so much of our lack of worth or our, our concerns about abandonment actually turn into death anxiety when you examine it. And I, I can't do that in here today, but, but this is what we find in the resurrection. We find... Jesus saying, I give them eternal life. That's zoe aeon, aeon in Scripture. And it means, it means zoe is abundant life. Uh, it's, it's fullness of life. And eternal, aeonion aeon means eon aeon after eon, age after age, forever and ever. It says, it says, Jesus came to give that to you. Zoe aeon eon. Full, abundant life that goes on forever and ever and ever. And they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. And you find this is a central theme in Scripture. It continues. It says, this is the testimony that God gave us, Zoe Aeonion. This life is in his Son. Our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. The reality is, we are on a sinking ship. The plane does not land safely. It's not great news. <laughs> hey, he is risen. <laughs> I mean, it's not, it's, not, it's not great news, but, but, but there's, there's good news beyond this. One of my favorite scenes of any movie, and I, I think I say that about a lot of scenes of a lot of movies, because I like a lot of scenes of a lot of movies, but is a scene from Titanic when, when the orchestral quartet is playing on the deck as... As everybody's screaming and yelling and putting on lifeboats and jumping, jumping in the boats and trying to survive and jumping in the frigid water and falling from great heights and they're they're on the deck playing this beautiful uh, four-part symphony and at one point one of the artists packs up his gear and he says gentlemen he says it's been my greatest privilege to play with you all here tonight and so they're trying to create calm in the middle of the storm and peace in the middle of the storm and as the other three pack up their gear and start to walk away he continues to play and he starts playing nearer my God to Thee. And then the second person with the, with the cello steps in and starts playing. And then the third and then the fourth. And they sit there and they go down with the ship. And historically, this is one of the, the truths of the Titanic is that the orchestra, which is actually a larger, larger band than just a foursome, but they went down with the ship playing music to try to bring calm to the passengers. This is where Christians can live. We are going down. Nobody gets out alive. You know what? There's a spoiler. You die but you don't die. It's good news. It's really good news. And it was illustrated in the death and resurrection of Jesus. You don't have to be scared. You don't have to be scared of anything. You can't lose in this life in Christ. And ultimately, you don't have to be fearful of flying. In that that scene from Superman where where Superman... uh, Little spoiler alert here, he lands the plane safely and everybody survives. And he boards the plane and everybody's like in crash position, like you saw from airplane where they're all legs up in the air and hair all out. And, and he says, now I hope this won't discourage you from flying because it still is the safest form of travel. <laughs> and if you're on the plane, you're not feeling it. And, and sometimes because, because we're, we get to a point where we're on a wing and a prayer, and a prayer is all we got left, and one of the wings is missing, and one of the engines is smoking, and the cabin pressure has gone out, and we're, we're just feeling like we're at the end of our rope. And sometimes that can make us scared of just, just rolling out of bed can be gut-wrenching and grueling. I see, I see some of you nodding at me. Sometimes just to roll out of bed is all you can do. And we, we develop this fear not, not only of death and abandonment and an unworthiness and, and all the other stuff that haunts us and plagues us, but just living can get pretty scary. It can get scary at times just to open the door to your house and step outside. And for some of you, it was a little intimidating to come to church today. Some, if, if you're here and this isn't your home church, then coming to a new church is always challenging. If, if you're here and you're concerned about COVID and you consider yourself at risk, then it's a little scary today. But sometimes we just get scared, scared, scared of everything. And the resurrection res- <laughs> See, we're Pentecostal here, we speak in tongues. Yeah. <laughs> The resurrection shows us that we don't have to be afraid. If you want to watch some riveting video, I mean, I mean it's so weird how riveting this is. It's, it's 16 minutes long, which today is an eternity when it comes to social media. You don't, you don't post a 16-minute video and expect people to watch it. But my wife was with me this week, and I said, babe, I want you to watch this video with me. And she said, it's 16 minutes long. And she, <sighs> and I, said, I said, just trust me. Let's watch this thing. And what it is, is these these, uh, Danish, I think they're Danish, they're from some Slavic country, have put together a video of people jumping off of a 10 meter tower into water. And 10 meters, of course, is about 40 feet, which, based on their expressions and and their hesitance, must be really, really scary. And it's funny because you get these ripped, tattooed dudes that, there's one guy that goes, and and it's it's just it's just video after video of these people stepping up to the platform. And some of them go back down the ladder and some don't. And some you get to see jump and some you don't. And it's it's this sixteen minutes of tension as you watch people conquer their fears. I really, I can't stress how amazing this video is. And it's so dumb. It, it, I mean, this is kind of the view the whole time. It's just, and, and I will say there's some flesh and there's some people in bikinis and such. and So take that as, as you will from this pastor that watched it without, with, a, with a clean heart. But I think the reason it appeals to me so much is because it summarizes so much of my life and so much of your life. And how much of our lives are like at that precipice where we're, we could make a decision and it could propel us forward and we could try something new and we could, we could escape the mundane or, or, or step out and just, just call someone that needs calling or come to church when you don't feel like coming to church or start a new business or whatever it is to think. Because God, God wants, you know, we, we talked about you being broken and beloved. He wants to take you out of your brokenness to fully embrace your belovedness. And that's always going to require risk. It's always going to require stepping off the platform, letting go of what was behind. And, this is, and the resurrection says, the water is fine. There's nothing to fear down there. So you die a little. I, don't, I, I couldn't for the life of it. Does anybody know where that quote comes from in a movie? So you die a little. I looked and looked this week and I couldn't find it. And maybe it's just in my head. But that's kind of what the resurrection says is, so you die a little. What's the big deal? Zoe... Aeonion, abundant life forever and ever and ever. You don't have to be afraid. And so we can, you know, the Song of Solomon talked about the, 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 the king has brought you into his banquet table and his banner over you is love. And then it continues with this passage. Again, I probably say it all the time, but one of my favorites It just speaks to me. It says, See now, arise my love, my beautiful one, and come away. For behold, the winter is past. The rain is over and gone. Flowers appear on the earth. The time of singing has come. Arise my love, my beautiful one, and come away. And this is the story of resurrection. This is the gospel of Jesus. It doesn't matter how dry the bones are. It doesn't matter how dead, 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 dead you are. It doesn't matter what you've done, to quote me without you. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter how worthless you feel. It doesn't matter how crippling your anxiety is or how hard it is to roll out of bed. It says, spring has come. This, this, this moment in time where you're on a wing and a prayer and you can barely get out of bed and you've only got one wing and you're barely flying, it's just, it's just a, a, a moan towards God that gets you through. It's temporary. Zoe Aeonion. Abundant life forever and ever. See now, the springs have come. See now, flowers bloom upon the earth. The rains are coming, washing the world clean. And in some sense, I think, I think I've got another daylight card in here. Yep. In some sense, we're about to relaunch. We're about to see some really neat stuff. Did I, did I see Tom Brocious come in here? Tom, would you come up for a second, and can you grab the mic on the front row? I have a really exciting announcement that, uh, to me, rivals the announcement that we made when we said we were getting this building. So somebody paid half a million bucks for us to have this building, and this, this announcement rivals that one. What's up, buddy? So, so Tom and his wife, Diana, just, just stumbled in the building thinking the service was at 11 o'clock. That was the power of God that just the occurred power. between <laughs> us. Do you, feel, do you feel that? You can take your mask off. I'm, I'm good. And... Uh, Here's here's the announcement. We got a slide for it. Here we go. So we planted Daylight Church Louisville, September, about just over seven years ago. Or just under seven years ago, I, I lose track. And Tom here, let's let's see if we can get this working for you. You want to say hi? Just say hi.
1: Hello. Hello. I can talk loud too. It's fine.
0: No, we need you on the mic.
1: Hello.
0: Hey. <laughs> so, one of one of my dreams has always been that we that daylight would, would be something that expands and thrives. And I I I, I listen. I just had a conversation last night that talked that made me feel like there's something special going on here, where we have a church where no question is off the table and People can come unafraid to explore and unafraid to dive in. And I know we're not perfect. I know we're far from it. But our, our pillars of service, study, worship, and rest, there's something special behind them. And, and the vibe that we have of being a church that eats together. And I see the back of Ryan Murphy's shirt. What's that shirt say? Jesus ate with everyone. Jesus ate with everyone. It, it, there's, there's something special going on here. And so then when you encounter a special leader like Tom Brocious, and Tom, you, you've got your master's degree from Asbury Theological Seminary, and he's got a, a video cast that is just stellar. He did a, he did a video recently, the, the whole Bible in how many minutes? 25 minutes. And it, it, I, just, I just watched that thing in awe of you, bro. I mean, he, he starts at Genesis and gets to Revelation in 25 minutes, and I'm like, wow, I, I've pastored for years, and I kind of never understood the Bible before. <laughs> and and, and, and now, now I get it. it was, <laughs> I was just blown away by it. And then this Friday he did our, our Good Friday sermon and people applauded after. And I don't think you guys have ever applauded a single <laughs> sermon that I've ever done. But, I mean, they, they wanted to give you a standing ovation. And he's an excellent communicator, has a, has a love for Jesus, a love for people, and a heart for Berea, Kentucky. So the goal is that we're going to launch a, ch- a daylight church uh, in Berea, Kentucky in fall of 22 is the plan. So he's just now getting started reading all the books on how to, how to pastor a church. <laughs> just the same stuff I did. <laughs> We're going to pass on our pillars, pass on our branding, and it's going to be an autonomous, self-governing church under Tom's leadership. But Tom, tell us a little bit about. Oh yeah, go do that. Do that.
1: I, my wife actually was listening to this like simulcasted while we were driving, and it was crazy. Like here in H, like. Things are going to be rough in this life, you know, like the, the plane is going down. And, you know, I was like, you know, I can be calm in this. You know, I'm trying to get the daylight in time, you know. It was, <laughs> I was like, it was like a soothing thing to me yeah. you know, as I was trying to get here, you know. It's my voice. No, it was like, it was this, Oh, it's it, not my voice. It your yeah, voice and the content. is <laughs> as powerful as the mic thing that just happened. Yeah. You
0: know? just, you know. So tell us, tell us. Tell us in one minute about yourself and then in a minute or two about your heart for Berea. What, what is it about Berea? All right, so yeah, my name is Tom Brocius and
1: I live in Richmond with my wife where I met. She was part of the campus ministry with H, and then that's how I met H and everybody here, and I guess I used to work in Berea for just a little bit, for like three years, and I've gotten to know a lot of the people in the countryside and a lot of the people who live on the, the edges of the town, and I've, I've gotten to know a lot of the the more liberal people in, in the middle of the town. There's a very prominent liberal arts college that was very uh, active in, in, in the beginnings of getting college educations for, for black people. And, and you can see that the, there's two different barriers, people will say. There's like a liberal area and there's a conservative area. And I just really feel like in this like the season of our life, that this is a great place to plant this church because I think um, we saw the political partisanship that's happened in this, in this country over the past year or so. And I, I really think that if we can start to establish the fact that, that our faith is viable to a lot of the questions that are people uh, that people are asking. Because when I worked at this factory, there was tons of people that were wanting to worship the Lord. But then they came up to me and they'd be like, you know, but I clearly also don't know what to do with the dinosaurs. You know, I don't know what to do. you know, And they're, they're, they're terrified because they, they don't have no idea what's going to happen to their faith. What's going to happen to their whole country and, and then, then they're trying to clamp down on it, but then you have progressives that really, really want to bring um, mercy and justice to the lives of the people uh, that are, have been tr- trampled in this country, and, and these people want good things, and I really think if you, can, if you can give them just a little bit of a platform to stand on and show them a mission that really meets a lot of the, the value system of the progressive people in our country, I really think Berea is a perfect place to, to really show a blueprint, you know, and at least that's pretty ambitious, but I think that could happen. Did, did you feel that?
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, I, uh, I'm a nerd, you guys know this about me, and my gaming tagline online is Dead Red 5. I don't know if this means anything to any of you, but it's a Star Wars reference, where <laughs> I've, I've never shared this with anybody but my wife, <laughs> and... <laughs> And Red 5 is Luke Skywalker's call signal when he's, when he's attacking the Death Star. Every time they refer to Red 5, they're talking to Luke Skywalker. And we know from, <laughs> oh my gosh, we know from Star Wars lore that there was a previous Red 5. And he's gone. He's dead. He's dead Red 5. So dead Red 5 is the dude that made Luke Skywalker possible. And this is what I'm feeling like right now. No. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I'm just so excited about Tom and Diana and their heart and passion for Berea. And Berea has, has a strong uh, presence of people with life-controlling addictions, and you have a, a heart for, for freedom for people with life-controlling addictions. And, it's going to be a beautiful match. And so we're going to be talking with our board about the finances and how we support them and how we send them off. And he's, he's already writing his church proposal and you guys will hear more about it as we go on. And then ultimately, we're going to get to do kids camps together and youth camps together and cumulative services and meet halfway for, for retreats. And I mean, we're, we're going to start a little community thing going here. It's going to be a beautiful thing.